Good evening, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that ran only one episode. It is a new month and a new plot. Oh, such a sad plot. These are shows that never made it past their first episode. Never even made it to become a full season. The R.I. Pilot. With me is Noah Houlihan. I know everything! Oh, you super don't. It's after sunset, so no you don't. (sighs) This week, we will be doing the Jack Black 1999 vehicle, Heat Vision and Jack. Yes, Heat Vision and Jack. And when I say vehicle, I mean Heat Vision is literally a vehicle. Yes, voiced by a foul-mouthed Owen Wilson. He is a motorcycle. Oh, This was an interesting one. I had a lot of fun with this one. So, I guess we should just jump into this bad boy. We have to jump into the introduction first. Yes, the introduction is very interesting. It is uh, Ben Stiller. Yes. It was uh, a pilot that was being sold to Fox. So, Ben Stiller introduces his own show and talks about the Ben Stiller show, which had been previously canceled. Yes, which we should do on this show. Um. And he goes in about how... Hello, America. I'm Ben Stiller. In 1992, I had a show here on Fox. They ridiculed me for my effort. I was canceled. Then, I won this. It's called an Emmy. Let's change cameras. Now, having returned to television a wealthy and powerful man, I've directed an incredible new action series called Heat Vision and Jack. In it, we follow the adventures of a super-intelligent renegade astronaut and his talking motorcycle. Now, did you notice, the the rip we saw was not the best quality? No. But he says, like, I have an Emmy now. And he shows his Emmy. And then the camera cuts to a different angle and he's getting up. As he's getting up, there is a MTV Movie Award Mm -hmm. and an MTV Music Video Award also on the desk. Yes, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ben Stiller actually did win his Emmy for the Ben Stiller show. Really? Yes, That's he did. an Emmy award winning show? Yes, he won it for writing. Uh, we need to do a month that's just celebrity show. Because we also need to do the Dana Carvey show. So. And the uh, the MTV Movie Award was won for Best Fight. Was it, was it Zoolander? No, it was against the dog and there's something about Mary. Oh! <laughs> And you said he also won a, uh, a VMA. Well, it was definitely the Moon Man, which I'm assuming he's didn't win one of those because I don't think he was ever wrote any music. He did host the, the VMAs one year. So I assume that's why that was there. Isn't the Moon Man also the uh, MTV Movie Award? No, the MTV Movie Award is the Golden the Popcorn. The Golden Popcorn. Uh, before that, it was a large reel, film reel, but they changed it to popcorn. But there's definitely a Moon Man on his, his desk. Yeah, he did uh, 
He did host the VMAs the year before. So I, that's what I'm guessing they were referencing. Right. So oh. that he was suddenly like a thing. The only way that would be better if there was also a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award blimp. Yes. <laughs> on this desk. Oh my god, I love... I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But it's just him holding an Emmy and he doesn't acknowledge it. It's just kind of sitting in the background. Because it's really just like a bitter thing. <laughs> so... Ben Stiller is now announcing that with his brilliance, he has an Emmy now, and he can do whatever he wants. Yes, and he does. So he is going to bring us uh, Heat, Vision, and Jack. And then he says how much better than Star Wars it's going to be. Some of you will marvel at our state-of-the-art special computerized effects, which, quite frankly, rival those of a certain new Star Wars movie. Some of you will be frightened or aroused. Still others may be entertained. As a person you admire, I'm giving you permission to appreciate this show. I'm also offering you my personal guarantee that it's going to knock you back onto your coal mining asses. And that's a promise you won't be hearing from Georgie Lucas. He's, yes, because the, uh, the introduction to this carbon dates this perfectly. Yeah. It is 1999, children. Yeah. It has got to be winter 19 because it's pilot season. Mm-hmm. Which would put it in, like, the winter. Yeah, okay, okay. Because the pilots have to get picked up in the spring. They film, cast, and shoot in the summer. Okay, all right, that makes sense. To be to start being aired in the fall. So, Phantom Menace has not yet come out. Mm-hmm. So this is him, like, winter, trying to, like, sell yeah. this. Yeah, and so it's him and saying that the special effects is going to put George Lucas to shame and all this other stuff. And I'd like to point out... It is not cool to crap on George Lucas yet. No. This was pre... I mean, we had not seen Jar Jar Banks. Yeah. This was the time when we were sending away for Mace Windu action figures. Yeah, like... He, Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, he's kind of the golden goose right now. Right. And Ben Stiller just craps on him. Because he's coming off the wildly successful 20th anniversary releases. Yeah. Of the first trilogy. It, this, t- like, t- it'd be if, like, today someone came out and was like, you know who sucks? Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and it, we're going to make a better uh, Batman trilogy. <laughs> I don't know. They're making another Lego Batman. That's, they're on their way. They're yeah. on their way. I mean, if the third Lego Batman movie holds up, it will be a better trilogy. Well, there's only been one. Yeah, but the second one's already being made. Okay, all right. But if there's a third one, and it's still good. I think we're talking about Heat Vision and Jack, I'm sorry. I like Lego Batman. I have really strong feelings toward it. So it starts off with a voiceover about the edge of the universe. Yes. uh, That is Owen Wilson. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's this, like, faux-philosophic. Yeah, something... Faux-philosophic. Something about the edge of the world. My friend Jack says the universe is infinite. He says you could travel forever and never reach the edge. I say the edge is where you find it. It's this very, like, faux-philosophical... Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's, it reminds me of uh, Jughead and Riverdale. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how those episodes begin and end. Yeah. Is Jughead says something uh, similarly dumb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they play it completely seriously, whereas Heat Vision is making fun of that trope. Okay, that makes sense. 
Um, so we, we go into a small town diner out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And there's a, a radio that's playing music and it starts to get garbled. Yes. And one of the cooks hits it with a spatula. Who plays the cook? Do you happen to know that? Because he was definitely one of those guys where it was like, wait a minute, he's that guy from that thing. He was played by Vincent Schiavelli. Vincent Schiavelli. And I know him from what? He is known for Tomorrow Never Dies as Dr. Kaufman. But you probably know him from Death to Smoochie as Buggy Ding Dong. (laughs) I might know him from Death to Smoochie. He's just like... He's known for the bags under his eyes. Yeah, he's a he's a sad sack. Like yeah. that's kind of who he plays. Mm-hmm. Like he's always playing like a drunkard or a, a, a fry cook. Uh, I know him best as the voice of the Pigeon Man from Hey Arnold. Yes, and that's what he looks like. Yes, that's they they definitely base that character off him. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, all right. So the Pigeon Man from Hey Arnold. Uh, slaps this radio, and then he flashes green, like, terrible special effects. The radio and uh, the diner cook glow inexpensively. Yes. And then uh, the diner cook is electrocuted. Yes. And then we go toward, uh, then we go to the title sequence. Yes, then we get the title sequence of, like, that's like the stinger of the beginning. The cold open. The cold open, yeah. And uh, we get this, like... Opening, which kind of recaps all the things that happened. Yeah, it, the opening is the premise of the show. Yes. Uh, Jack Black is playing Jack Austin, mm-hmm. who is a an astronaut who was put into a, a experimental thing, uh, kind of goes full Icarus, flies too close to the sun, Yes. is overexposed to solar radiation, and now exposure to solar radiation improves his intelligence. Yes, it makes his brain swell. Yes. And then uh, Heat Vision is a motorcycle with the mind of Jack's unemployed roommate. Yes, Doug. Doug. <laughs> and uh, Ron Silver plays himself as a superpowered assassin. <laughs> and that's what I thought was so funny is in the intro it says, introducing Ron, Ron Silver Ron as Silver himself. Ron Silver as himself, yes. And Ron Silver was like an established, like jackass actor like he he was the bad guy in time cop which actually comes up in uh the the show it comes up very subtly in the line you're the bad guy from time cop (laughs) it's really subtle it's an easter egg yeah yeah you gotta we gotta watch and then they try to have a lame catchphrase where jack black screams knowledge is power for real (laughs) and also i know everything is definitely because whenever he gets hit with sunlight there's That's like, what he says. There's a music video that plays, and then he yells, I know everything. And they do a, a cute gimmick uh, where they're calling this episode 14, Eyes of the Paragon. Yeah. Which I like. It's this idea of doing in media res. I dislike it. Okay. Uh, because it's a pilot. So? This, I kind of want to go on this rant later. Okay. But uh, I, I feel a certain way about them doing this. Okay, I actually do like it. So it's, we'll, it says something about the show, in my opinion. But we'll get we'll to argue it about it later. Yeah, get excited, guys. So uh, we open on the open highway. Heat Vision and Jack 
driving down the highway. And uh, Heat Vision is kind of reminiscing yeah. about when uh, Jack, they were in Mexico and Jack ended up sleeping with a 72-year-old woman. Yes. Because they got blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they wouldn't let Jack back across the border until he kissed the old lady in front of everybody. Yeah. And then uh, Jack tells Heat Vision to shut up. Well, shut up because when Heat Vision talks, his headlight flashes, so he couldn't see yes. whenever Heat Vision talks, which I thought was like an interesting kind of like trope joke. Yeah. Because if you think, okay, talking motorcycle, that's kind of what you imagine. It's right. like the light will be acting as him speaking. So then we were, we flash back to the diner. And uh, the diner cook that we saw get electrocuted is wearing sunglasses and uh, advances on the waitress who backs into the jukebox, which promptly starts playing Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind, because as I need to remind you, it is 1999. This pilot's really invested in making sure we know what year it is. I feel like we didn't get any lyrics beyond do 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 do. We did not. But it was that's, the Neil C- Cesariga version. But it was it, it's instantly recognizable. Yeah. So I, you knew exactly what it was. And it's also the reason why we can't play this clip now. Yeah. Um. So he advances on her with glowing green eyes, and she screams as Heat Vision and Jack pull up to the. It's it's like a truck stop. It's a yeah, gas truck station stop diner. China. Yeah. And uh, at that moment, my notes say, hey, Dan Harmon wrote this. Yeah, yeah, that's when we get the... We're ri- still in the opening credits. Yeah, written by Dan Harmon. Uh, and then Jack is trying to make up with Heat Vision, because Heat Vision's mad at him. Yeah, because he told him to be quiet. Uh, so we, you hear the exchange, who wants premium? <laughs> I was told to be quiet. <laughs> um, and then in this short time, Jack enters the diner, and the walls are like, Covered in crazy. Yes. Uh, it's like the Paragon because... Yes, kneel before the Paragon. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, mm. Just, you know, your standard room full of crazy. It's written all over the walls in red. Mm-hmm. It's very spooky. Now, it should be noted that uh, they are on the run from NASA. Yes. They had to escape NASA because they were so smart. Uh, or And because of the that they were doing on him and all that Yeah, we're going to get more into that because yeah. there is a flashback. But but I want to bring up the point that Jack is still wearing a NASA jumpsuit. Yes. So the, the idea is, you know, he he doesn't have any other clothes, I guess, or they just want to establish he's an astronaut. So he's wearing a NASA jumpsuit through the entire episode. He is. Uh, that is 100% true. Heat Vision comes into the diner. Oh! What the f*** happened here? Jack, is that blood? The blood of tomatoes. Yeah, so... It's ketchup. There's ke- Yeah, he used ketchup to write on the walls of what we're supposed to get out of that? Yes. Okay. Because then they find a pile of dust, mm-hmm. because we have now established that the Paragon is dehydrating people. Yes, through looking at them. Yes. Uh, and then Jack changes the jukebox from Third Eye Blind to, like, Sexy, noir, jazz. Yeah. Uh, very Knight Rider-y mm-hmm. music. And a pretty blonde sheriff comes and points the gun. Yes. And it is Christine Taylor, uh, best known as being Melody from Hey Dude, mm-hmm. or Matilda from Zoolander. Yes. 
Ben Stiller's wife. Fun fact! Uh, ben Stiller and Christine Taylor met on the set of this pilot. Really? Yes. That's very interesting. Well, yeah, because 1999, she's not like a star. No, she's just a working actor at this point. Huh. Way to go, Heat Vision and Jack. Yeah, so this is one of those projects. Um, it's It kind of reminds me of how like the Green Lantern movie wasn't very good, but Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively have been happily married for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So how these things kind of like... And like they've been married since 2000. Like they're still, huh. still married. Very interesting. So good for them. Yeah, good for them. Uh, so she busts in and arrests Jack for what is what she sees. Like, I yeah. guess, I don't know if they think, if she thinks he's a murderer or just... Yeah, it looks bad Yeah, that this whole place is crazy and he's the only person in there. So uh, I pointed out that she looks like an adult Betty Cooper from Riverdale. Yeah. She looked exactly like Betty Cooper. And I was like, oh, Riverdale's going to cast her next season for no reason. <laughs> yeah. As like a random Cooper. Um, so the sheriff asks who Jack is. And then we get the backstory again. Uh, it's pretty much a rehash. At this point, it is a rehash of what the intro has done. Yes. We don't get additional information at this time. So, yeah, we learned that uh, he got too close to the sun and now he's smart. Uh, and that Ron Silver's an assassin out together. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit more about Ron. Yes. Uh, and then uh, she's going to take off, but <laughs> Jack Black, or Jack Austin says, uh, by the time you get back, I won't be here because when the sun comes up, I'll be so intelligent that no cell could hold me. And and then she warns him, I never feed Gary. Yeah. So and the, then a German shepherd that to this point has made no noise and not been present mm-hmm. suddenly growls menacingly. Yes. Apologies to the German shepherd community for the unfair stereotyping. Yeah, yeah it happens. They're good dogs. Heat, heat vision appears outside and then they wait for the sun to rise. And there's some really good shots yeah. of like Jack Black standing in the cell as the sunlight hits him. And there's, like, a good joke about how, like, Heat Vision can't come get him because of doorknobs. Yeah, you know Because we have actually uh, established that Heat Vision can go through doorways because he comes into the diner. Yeah, but I think those were, like, saloon doors. Right. That, yeah. He can't do doorknobs, specifically. <laughs> he do door- he yeah. can come through doors, but not doorknobs. Yeah, way to be consistent. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because I guess, like, a door handle, even, he could like get his handlebar over mm. thinking way too much about the physics of heat vision well i mean this is before the americans with disabilities act and we changed all the doorknobs to the ones with the long thing this was Instead. not before the american this this was not before the ada well so much for that joke um actually the ada was signed in 1990 yeah well it didn't consider motorcycles lara yeah i mean a motorcycle rights activist which is the only mra i will listen to they, they're not really present in 1999. So. When, when we're a very famous podcast, we'll have MRA t-shirts. Motorcycle rights activists. I'll send one to Owen Wilson. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, So as the sunrise, we have a scene in the motel. Because now yes. Paragon has uh, murdered six prostitutes. Yes. So we now know that Paragon is a has a gender issue. 
Because he's killing women. Yeah, that's interesting. And, like, there's some kind of remark about Paragon being uh, rejected by women. And he does use a lot of gendered language toward the waitress he kills. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he and, calls her a monkey slut. He calls her a whore. And and he's looking for the sunken treasure. Yes. Yeah. Which we're going to get to. The sunken treasure is kind of fun. Um, so then Ron Silver comes into the motel and the scientist who has the little mobile lab looks at him and goes, I just read a time cap. Time. <laughs> Edit point. The scientist who's at like a mobile lab in the motel room goes, I just rented time cop. You're the bad guy in time cop. Yeah. Just in case you didn't know who Ron Silver was at this point. Yeah, so basically, while Ron Silver is having a conversation with the sheriff about uh, looking for Jack Austin, which is exactly what Jack Austin said would happen. Yes. That she would get there, find people turned into dust, and uh, Silver would show up. The scientist is having a conversation about how he wants an autograph. Just kidding. I need to ask a few questions. I'm Ron Silver. I just ran a time cop. You are a bad guy in time, cop. Yeah, well, acting is one of my more enjoyable diversions. However, right now, what I'd really like to do is find a man named Jack Austin. Can I trouble you for an autograph? Yeah, if you have a pen. How exactly do you know Mr. Austin? I don't have a pen. I'll get a pen, and I'll give you an autograph. Yes. Give me a pen, I'll give you an autograph. Oh, I don't have a pen. Well, get a pen. So, during this, sun has risen, and Jack is using a high-pitched whistle to train Gary. Yes, and... This is not how intelligence works. No. Which is, of course, done on purpose. But uh, if the idea that the son made him smarter, he would, like, figure out a way to get out using, like, physics and math and things like that. He would not get smarter and learn new facts about dogs. Yes, and he would not reenact Pirates of the Caribbean and get the dog to bring him the key ring. Yes. Um, so he happens to have, like, a whistle in his pants? Yeah, like a high-pitched dog whistle in his pants. Um, and he manages to communicate very clearly with the dog. It's very silly. Yes. Um. And, but when he gets out, the dog still wants to attack him. So he whistles something that makes the dog spin indefinitely? Yeah, it just makes the dog chase his tail. <laughs> so then they come back in. Um, well, Jack leaves and Ron Silver and Christine, I call her Christine Taylor. She doesn't have a name. She's, can, she's credited as the sheriff. Uh, can I just, uh, real quick say, uh, whenever you say Ron Silver, mm-hmm. I think of Ron Swanson's jazz persona. You think of Duke Silver? Which is Duke Silver, yes. right? Yeah. So, but, which is not that. So it's not Duke Silver, the saxophone player, that comes in. It is Ron Silver, the bad guy from Time Cop. Correct. It's also not Ron Livingston, who I keep picturing, who is the lead in, <laughs> in Office, Office Space. Space. <laughs> so uh, Ron Silver is, like, telling uh, the sheriff jokes. Yeah. Like, just, like, funny, corny, dumb jokes. Uh, like NASA jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all space jokes. Yeah, like there's a, like, play the Klingon one. Tell me another. <laughs> okay, okay. One more. How do Klingons board their spaceship? How? They cling on. So then when they realize that Jack has escaped, Ron flips out, threatens the sheriff, and, like, 
lifts her up by the throat in, like, the Darth Vader way. Yeah, he also, like, throws an entire desk against the wall with one hand. Yeah. So I guess this is establishing, like, he's also super strong. Yeah, and then he throws the sheriff to the floor, and it somehow looks cheap. Like, it just looks like a badly done stunt. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to figure out how much of the production values being bad is intentional. Yeah. It's probably more... The production values are so bad, it has to be at least somewhat intentional. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. And when he leaves, he says something like, if I feel one bullet hit me in the back, like... I'm going to rip your lungs out through your nose. Yeah. So this is also implying that, for some reason, he is... Impervious to bullets. Impervious to bullets, so... Take that what you will. We're going to... uh, Or no... Uh, I was about to say we're going to the Sunken Pleasure, but we're not going there yet. No. So, we then get, we're back outside the diner. Jack is reuniting with Heat Vision. Mm-hmm. And Paragon tries to annihilate Heat Vision, but he can't. Um, so then Frank turns and rounds on Jack and starts attacking him. And he's getting more headway with attacking Jack. And then Heat Vision intervenes. Yes. And is knocked over. In but the is process. knocked over and then he couldn't do anything. So then the sheriff comes back to the diner and warns Jack about Ron Silver, and Heat Vision whines about being knocked over. I can't see you! Heat are Vision. you there? Jack, where are you? What? Heat Vision. He pushed me over. Oh. He got away? Listen, lady, he pushed me over. Yeah, I'm, I was knocked over. I couldn't do anything. I knocked over. And then the sheriff takes Jack to her grandmother's house, and... They have a conversation about how long it takes to, uh, how long it took Jack to build Heat Vision, and then we get Heat Vision's backstory. Yes. It turned out that Jack was super intelligent. NASA wanted to remove his brain. So, uh, Jack called his roommate for a ride and, uh, tried to escape. Yes. But in escaping, they fired an experimental laser at him, causing Jack to dive out of the way, and it hit Doug. Trapping his soul in the motorcycle. Yeah, it caused him and Heat Vision to merge, essentially. Heat Vision was Doug's motorcycle. Yes. Um, So then they merged into one. So there's a a great thing about, like, Heat Vision, when fate makes you a motorcycle, you're a motorcycle. Yeah. And then the sheriff and Jack hook up. Yes. That's a thing? Yeah, it's, it's, you know... They're in a life-threatening situation. Uh, Jack says something about, like, people who fall in love with me get hurt. That's not yet. Oh, really? I thought that's... That's the end. Oh, okay. So, uh, then they hook up, and then the next thing we see is literal clip from Doctor Who. Is it a... Oh, yeah, that's right. Doctor Who's on the television. Yeah, it's Heat Vision watching Doctor Who, and we hear the dialects go, Exterminate, exterminate. Which is important because Doctor Who at this point is not culturally Yeah. Because the Doctor Who resurgence comes in the mid-2000s with the Christopher Eccleston run. Right. Uh, The BBC brought it back in, I want to say, 2005? Yeah, so... Yes, 2005. So this is just a fun sci-fi tidbit. Yeah. At this moment. Like, it's not... 
Probably not because uh, Ben Stiller is a huge Doctor Who fan. It's probably because it's like, hey, I found this wacky sci-fi clip of robots saying exterminate. Yeah. I mean, the dialects actually do appear in an episode of Rugrats. In a toy store. Really? Yeah, there's toy dialects in one episode of Rugrats. Huh. So, like... I learned something. Yeah, Doctor Who, at this point, is kind of this, like, cultural curio. The way, like... You know, the way maybe, like, old MST3K episodes would be now. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So, now they go to the... Jack figures out what Paragon is and how to get rid of him. Okay. And, yeah, and he he explains it in science fiction gibberish that we're not meant to understand. Correct. Paragon is an alien signal broadcast to our planet occupying the body of that unfortunate ship. It kills by setting up a visual feedback that vibrates the energy from its victim's body. It uses the optic uh-huh. nerve as a main channel. That's why I couldn't turn heat vision into ashes. Heat got no eyes. It's true. I don't have any eyes. During that moment of feedback... Paragon is vulnerable to a reversal of the process. Next time we see him, I'm going to get crazy on him. Hard style, because I owe him. Once I knock his glasses off, you tap him with this. The alien goes into the boombox, the dish disperses the signal. <clears throat> Paragon. Nor is there any reason why he would understand it this quickly. Nope. Uh, but I think that's supposed to play into the fact that he's unbelievably smart. Yes. Uh, so, the plan is... Uh, they are going that there's something to do with sound waves uh, because the originally it was a radio that got him to to get into this fry cook. Yeah. So they're going to somehow record him into this box that has been created. Yes. Uh, to draw out whatever this alien creature is. Yep. And Heat Vision promises that Paragon will be Paragon. Yes. The joke we've waited the entire episode to hear. And then we get to The Sunken Pleasure. Yes. Which is a pirate-themed strip club. Yes. It is the Krusty Krab with exotic dancers. Yeah. So Paragon gets a demands a lap dance from a pirate. And turns her into dust. Yes. He disintegrates Jasmine, whose name we actually learn. Oh, cool. Not the sheriff. <laughs> no. Um, and then... Uh, two other uh, bar patrons are disintegrated when they take objection to Jasmine being disintegrated. Yes. And uh, the DJ is, is Ben, ben Stiller, Stiller. Yes. Dressed as a pirate. Yes. This whole... Well, let's get a little bit further. Uh, Heat Vision and Jack and the sheriff show up. Yes. And Jack is wearing... Like sunglasses. With like tinfoil on them. With tinfoil on them so he can't get the eyes. Yes. And they have a bit of a fight scene. Yeah. This whole sequence feels like Zoolander. Yeah, because Heat Vision is coaching him because he can't see. Yeah, Heat Vision's coaching him because he can't see. Because he eventually uh, loses the glasses and steals a bra and ties it around his waist. Or his waist. That's where his eyes are, of course. (laughs) Around his head. Uh, But... It, there's this weird thing where they're on a stage, mm-hmm. and the DJ is up high, mm-hmm. and there's this very strange fight scene going on that also kind of has to do with music. Yes. It feels like the Mugatu fight at the end of Zoolander. It does, right down to the idea of, like, 
Hansel. Yeah. Coaching. Co- yeah. It's it's very... I don't know why I just drew like that imagery to me, but I, I had to bring it up. Uh, what ends up happening is... Uh, Duke, not Duke Silver. Damn it! Ron, Ron Silver. Silver. Ron Silver shows up uh, to cause problems. And, and the sheriff stupidly grabs the weapon and smashes it over Ron Silver's back. Yeah, it's not a good plan. No. And uh, then uh, Jack falls while fighting Paragon, and the stripper pole falls over and breaks the speaker. Yes. And then when Paragon's touching the pole, he looks up to the DJ and says, press record. And that is how they capture him onto a cassette tape because it's 1999. Yep. And then uh, the DJ gets a good line. Yeah. You want me to label this? Yeah. And then we like... Go, they pull the rug out from under Ron Silver, quite literally, mm-hmm. which knocks him unconscious, and the sheriff chains him to, like, a table or something. Something Yeah, immovable. like the bar or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. So then we get this... Uh, we go back outside the sunken pleasure, and the remaining dancers are fawning over heat vision. Mm-hmm. And sun is setting, and uh, Jack starts to get dumber. Yes, because the sun's not there anymore. So he, like, kind of has an attack, and he suffers, and he screams. I love sunsets. I don't. Be very careful with this. Paragon's glide-sustaining ions have been neutralized by the cassette's residual magnetism, but his protophotonic pattern is still together on the, uh... thing dispose of it in the proper method what 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 is that uh i uh ah The sheriff asks Jack to stay, and this is when he says, like, everybody he ever confides in outside of heat vision Gets is hurt. dead. Yeah. Um, so it's time for him to ride because the sun's going down. The sheriff and Jack kiss. The dancers bid heat vision goodbye, and they take off into the sunset into the desert. Yes. We also see that uh, Ron Silver has escaped. Yeah, the sheriff goes in to arrest him. He has left, and you see him driving behind Yes, just chasing down. And then we get another voiceover from Heat Vision. Jack says the Earth shape is mankind's curse because we can never reach our horizon. I say a round planet is a gift. We can move forward forever, find a different horizon every week. Good night. Which is a very piloty way yeah. to end. And that's the end of Heat Vision and Jack. It's clearly a Knight Rider, six million dollar man, kind mm-hmm. of parody pastiche. Yeah. And it's fun. Right. I have an issue. Yes. The fact that this says episode 14. Mm-hmm. Implying that 13 episodes had already gone by here. Yes. Makes it feel weird as a pilot. Okay. Because... It's kind of like implying that 
every episode is going to have like this backstory in it because like this is all stuff we should have learned in previous episodes. But my main problem with this is it, the fact that they're lying and saying it's episode 14 when it's clearly not mm-hmm. makes me then think, oh, they're lying when they're saying this is a pilot. I feel like this isn't meant to go anywhere. It was. I was, cannot believe that. There was actually, uh, it was written originally for NBC. And then, like, ABC and Fox got into a bidding war about it and Fox won, but then Fox ultimately passed on the final product. I find it so hard to believe that they were actually going to do something with this. Mostly because of the speech in the beginning. Okay. The speech in the beginning of, of Ben Stiller saying, I have an Emmy now, and now you will see my brilliance. And then showing what this is, which is clearly, like, a parody of television... Uh, you know, and clearly not brilliant and clearly meant to be stupid, Mm -hmm. uh, really makes me think that this wasn't meant to go anywhere. I mean, Jack Black isn't really anybody yet. His breakout roles don't start coming in until after this short. Yeah, and I get that, like, I feel like I'm looking at it from a place where... Jack, Today, Jack Black is an A-lister. Jack Black, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, and the Stillers are not going to be <laughs> doing weekly television. Right. Uh, but that's not who they were in 1999. Uh, it, it's more of like, this was a very, you know, show in a bottle, uh, silly thing that by the end of it, I didn't want to see any more of it. Yeah, I mean, I liked the idea that it became, that it was like an in-media res kind of thing, of instead of showing the accident and the escape in real time, and it also, this way we don't feel that bad for Doug. Yeah. Because I think if we met Doug and then he's turned into a motorcycle, Mm -hmm. it's like a little bit darker... Yeah, because they actually go out of their way not to show you Doug as a human. No, you can tell he's Owen Wilson because you see him very briefly. I actually don't think that was Owen Wilson. It is. It is Owen Wilson yes. in that? Because it looked like Owen Wilson's mouth was, like, voice was dubbed over. Like, it didn't look like it was him actually saying, look out. I uh, think it was dubbed over. Maybe. Still, but it was probably looped over his own. Like, I think he played the body of Doug, too. Okay. So um, I definitely get the idea of... We want to see Heat Vision accepting that he's a motorcycle because the struggle to get to that point would be difficult to watch. Yeah, this way it's like they're, they've been on the run for a while. They know Ron Silver's after them. I liked this in media res. And you also got to tell a story. Yeah, and in retrospect, we did open with him crapping all over George Lucas who started his franchise on, on episode four. Yeah. So that might have been a Star Wars joke. Probably. So maybe I can let it go. Yeah, I liked it, honestly. I just, I, I, I laughed. I thought it was fun. I just didn't feel like it was a good pilot. Um, I was reading like an AV Club article when I was doing my research. Yeah. And that's kind of the conclusion they came to as well. Of uh, This, 
uh, in the 2000s hit the black market as a DVD. Okay. Because it became like, once Jack Black, Ben Stiller, owned, once all of these people became very famous, when, you know, Jack Black's career really started to take off, and Zoolander, and what have you, mm-hmm. um, they really, people started to look for this. Yeah. So this took off. Part of why this is famous is probably because it never became more than this. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, like, by the end of this episode, I didn't feel like I wanted to watch another. Because what would the next episode of this be? It would be another episode where there's a monster of the week. Yep. And uh, Ron Silver chases them. Yes. There wasn't enough there to, to justify, like, where this is going. Because I, in my free time... Am uh, revisiting Buffy. Yes. And Buffy is very formulaic. But it is, every episode is, there's a monster of the week, plus the big bad is building to something. Yes. If they had implied that there was a plan, that Jack Austin knew a way to fix heat vision, or... Or they had somewhere they could escape to permanently. Yes. If there was a place that they were going instead of just always fleeing, I could then buy, oh, we're leading to this. Like, if they were going back to Mexico to find Jack Austin's, like, 72-year-old girlfriend in Mexico. Yeah, sure. Something something like that. Like, if they if we kind of had the idea for a goal, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mind that. I, I found certain things weird about the show. Yeah, um, such as? The sheriff going unnamed? I think that's a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the idea of, you know, this girl being a love interest with no name. This is very much that era of television. That of it's your, paradising, your TG, yeah. Your TJ Hooker, your, uh, uh, what's the... Michael from Knight Rider. Yeah, your Knight Rider, your, um, oh God, what is the Burt Reynolds show called? Magnum P.I. Yeah, that type of thing where every week handsome guy helps another woman that you never see again. Yeah, it, and I mean that goes back to even like James Bond. Yeah, yeah, she's a Bond girl. Yeah, I mean disposable women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a trope I loathe. I know, um, yeah, I, don't, I know you hate it, but yeah. like know that here it's being done on purpose. Yeah, so um, there has perpetually been a film. You know, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to spoil this right now. This is a stay doomed for me, Mm -hmm. but I bet it would make a fun movie. I think if, I think they could really make a good, fun two hour Heat Vision and Jack. Yeah. It's a stay doomed for me. I think this would get old. Uh, There's one other way I could see this working. Okay. And if they could bring it back today, if they did it like this, if they did it like, uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Darth Morangi's Dark Place. Okay. This was a, a BBC show that was very much like uh, Stephen King-esque spooky stories about a scary hospital. Okay. But when it aired, uh, it was mixed between the show running and then interviews with the actors talking about how it was stupid. Oh, okay. If they did it like that, especially now... When, you know, Jack Black, Owen Wilson, and Ben Stiller are these giant stars. 
if they did a show now where they're like, yeah, it didn't get picked up, but in the 90s, we did complete the series. Here it is. And they constantly cut back to going like, I don't know why we thought this was funny. So they actually do, uh, they use a little bit of Heat Vision and Jack in Tropic Thunder. Really? And they, they use it as something that Jeff Portnoy was in. Oh, okay. So they do actually recycle it that Jack Black's character in Tropic Thunder was in. Was in Heat Vision and Jack. Yes. That's funny. So that was like a neat thing. I could see them doing a movie. Uh, also, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place would be Stay Doomed eligible. Yes, Garth Marenghi. I, I didn't want to do another Adult Swim show. Because we've already done two, but maybe. Well, I would not count Garth Marenghi's Dark Place as running on Adult Swim. Because it was a BBC, was a BBC show, show first, that was yeah. ported over. And we're, we've been talking about doing a British month. Yes. So, that might be a fun... Yeah, maybe we'll do a British month. Yeah. Sounds great. So, as with the end of our shows, we're discussing... I, I do think this is a stay doomed for both of us. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I enjoy it. More than I usually enjoy a Stay Doomed. Yeah, it is worth watching. Yeah, it was a fun half hour. But it's not one of those shows where when it's over you think about what could have been. Right, like I... It's not like Clone High where you're like, man, if there was more of this. Yeah, I 100% agree. I feel like I saw what I wanted to see of Mm -hmm. Heat Vision and Jack and I don't really need more. Yeah. So yeah, stay doomed from both of us. Any more uh, trivia that you want to bring up before we bring this episode to a close? Uh, no, I actually managed to get everything in there in a way that was totally organic this time. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so this is uh, Reddit slash R slash R.I. Pilots Month. So we're sorting by best of all time. What are we watching next week? For next week, we are watching 2005's Awesome Town, another uh, Fox rejectee, and conceived by and starring a pre-SNL Lonely Island. Yeah, Awesome Town. This is going to be an interesting one. I don't know anything about this one. So I know what I just said. Cool. So that should be very interesting. Where can people find us, Laura? All right. Well, we can be found on email at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or Facebook or Twitter at Stay Doomed. If you want to talk to me and maybe suggest what we should do next month, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want more deep cut trivia about the frat pack's early careers, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>